0: .com and the DLF family of podcasts. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD Rome, in the streets of Superflex City, and this is the Superflex Super Show! Oh my god, these AMA episodes are officially cursed. <laughs> That's just, I I don't even know what else to say. Last time I tried to do an ask me anything episode uh, it was uh my equipment went down um all of it <laughs> basically uh and it, it put me out of put me out of business put me out of commission for a couple weeks This time it was my body <laughs> my glorious glorious body that let me down <laughs> And, uh, I mean, I've been, I've been so sick. And then even after I got better, just the complete lack of energy, but I, you know, I'm not, not here to, to cry on your shoulder about, about that. People get sick. It happens. (laughs) It's part of life. Um, but it's just, it's, it's really frustrating to every time I try and do an ask me anything episode and, and, you know probably some people looking for in especially in this case some people looking for some pretty immediate answers to some time sensitive questions right and then yeah to to just lose the ability to do it for one reason or another um, is uh, is extra frustrating it'd be one thing if i just you know if i had my own topic i had my own stuff that i wanted to talk about and got shut down uh, and you know Had to postpone that episode That's one thing That's 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 fine That's whatever um, You know But when it's your questions When it's your thoughts And it's the stuff that you're going through In your own leagues Man we want to get to that As soon as we possibly can We want to We want to hash this out And figure out You know what's the strategy What's the theory here So um, I maybe I need to just stop asking for ask me anything. I really wanted to to do this though. Um, I gotta shout out, shout out my guy Josh who uh, who asked me to do a solo episode. Do ask me anything. Um, said you know those are always really helpful. I mean, I've gotten that feedback a lot, and it always surprises me <laughs> to find out that you would rather just hear me talk for an hour plus. Uh, than uh, uh, hearing me have a, a, a conversation with one, two, three other people. Um, but that seems to be the case from time to time. I still have a lot of uh, guests coming up that I'm really, really excited about. i um, going to have to kind of mash the gas a little bit to get everybody in here uh, before the season starts at this point. It's, it's, it's so much closer than we, th- than we think, you know, it's what, three months, a little over three months away It's coming, it's coming for us uh, So anyways, yeah, I've got some great guests coming up, but I wanted to go ahead and do this, go ahead and do this Ask Me Anything episode And, um, you know, I, I also got great responses I mean, I always get great questions Um, but usually it's like, you know, one, two, maybe even three questions. I got seven this time. (laughs) A lot of, a lot of people with a lot of questions. That that just makes it that much worse that we couldn't get to it until, you know, two weeks later. But, um, a lot of, a a lot of great questions, a lot that we're going to get to here. Um, the stuff that I, that I feel like is time sensitive, um, or you know somebody actually explicitly said this is time sensitive um we're just gonna kind of feather touch those we're just gonna um we're we're gonna hit those real quick and uh um you know just knock them out get them out of the way and and kind of focus on strategy a little bit uh as much as we can today but um i still want to answer every last one of these even the ones that uh are not really relevant anymore. So let's jump right in because again, seven questions. We're uh, we're we're going to be hard pressed to get this done in a reasonable amount of time. Um, but I just real quick, I just want to thank you all for the questions. Thank you all for the for the support. Thank you for the, your understanding and your patience. And uh, yeah, hopefully we're we're back on track and we'll just stay that way. Um, Carius right into the, uh, the start of the season. So first one from my friend, Zach Reed from the dynasty dummies, a tacit assassin himself. Um, somebody who I need to, uh, one of many who I need to talk to on here on the super show, um, kind of as soon as I can, but he started off, uh, uh, he, he asked our first question and he asked, how high should a QBX strategist be willing to take Will Levis and Hendon Hooker? And also, are there other quarterbacks worth throwing later round darts on, in your opinion? So uh, for those who don't know, Zach is one of the absolute best at breaking down tape. Um, it, he, he writes rookie pl- profiles. And you know, like he 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 somewhat reads them on the Dynasty Dummies, but in terms of like he writes up these these incredible player profiles, and then they don't get published anywhere that I'm aware of. So like the only way to read them is to ask him, hey, like what do you got? Can I can I see this? And then you read this thing, and you're like, this is this is incredible work. This is. The, the you know this is the best breakdown of this particular player that I've seen <laughs> so it's just it's always funny to me that it, like he just does such an amazing job with those and most of them don't see the light of day um but like yeah these are these are questions that uh that Zach is asking here that I would love to get his thoughts on as well so uh, we're going to have to do that episode at some point. but So how high should a QBX strategist like SFD over here be willing to take Will Levis and Hooker? And also, are there other quarterbacks worth throwing later round darts on, in your opinion? Um, I'm going to start actually with the second part of that question uh, just because, you know, to me, I, I kind of think that Stetson Bennett, belongs in the conversation as well. You know, if you're considering a late round quarterback, if you want to, you know, take some shots at, uh, at, at, you know, quarterback extreme plus type of strategy, because right now it is, it's, it's hard to find, you know, five guys who you feel comfortable about long-term kind of, you know, we did an episode a couple months ago with Scott Sidlow and, uh, you know, he he was. We were looking at his roster, where he just continues. He drafts quarterbacks. He picks quarterbacks up off of waivers, and he, you know he's got like twelve of them who all are already starters or have a path to becoming NFL starters. Like it's it's crazy, and you know obviously that goes well beyond quarterback extreme. QBX typically is five, but it's five starters. And if you can't find the actual starters, I mean, you got to kind of take some extra shots at some guys who, not currently starters, but could be. You know, Jacoby Brissett is is a type of guy, Taylor Hineke. Those are guys that you consider, you know, adding in and see what happens. You know, maybe Sam Howell keeps that job in Washington. Maybe they go to Brissett because he's just a little bit more, you know, a little bit more uh less explosive for sure definitely doesn't throw those yolo balls uh like Sam Howell does but you know just a little bit more steady just kind of that veteran presence um uh, you know and this is the guy who who led that Cleveland team uh during the Deshaun Watson suspension he's the guy who you know picked up the torch From Andrew Luck in Indianapolis like he he does not shy away from tough situations, you know. So it, it, there's a lot about Jacoby Brissett that's appealing, that could be appealing to a coaching staff. And it's all kind of intangible type stuff. Cause as far as throwing the football, give me Sam Howell, right? Like he's he's he unlocks that offense. Jacoby Brissett kind of locks it back up. But he's that that solid, sound veteran presence uh, that they very easily could uh, could lean towards at some point in the NFL season. But so we're kind of looking for some guys like that, you know. Maybe you consider some bridge type of guys like uh, uh, I can't imagine Davis Mills starting over C.J. Stroud. I mean Gardner Minshew. It's possible. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible at this point. And, it, and it, it's too bad because Gardner Minshew was kind of one of my favorite sleepers. But it's possible that the Colts just aren't ready for Anthony Richardson, and Anthony Richardson isn't ready for the pro game, and you see Gardner Minshew. You're not going to have him forever, obviously, but, you know, you... Get an NFL starter for as long as he is the NFL starter. Uh, You know, you take a shot on Malik Willis. He's next to free right now because it looks like he's probably the third quarterback on that depth chart in Tennessee. With Ryan Tannehill likely in his last season. And I kind of think that there are way too many people who are just assuming that it's going to be Stetson Bennett or uh, Will Levis, I'm sorry. I have Stetson Bennett on the brain. Um he that's how I started the, this whole thing. Um but yeah, a lot of people think that it's just immediately going to be Will Levis and I'm just I'm I'm not convinced of that. There's not a whole lot there that necessarily screams, "Oh yeah, we're loyal to Will Levis and not Malik Willis." So like there's there's kind of no real indicator of that. You could say that you think Will Levis is the better player. Last year, we thought Malik Willis was the best quarterback in that class. And we basically agreed across the board that will Levis was far from the best quarterback in this year's class. So i I don't know i I, I would I'm just saying don't write off Malik Willis. That's all I'm saying there. Um, But anyways, yeah, Stetson Bennett to me is is another one of those guys You kind of take a shot on and see what happens Because Matthew Stafford ahead of him You know, the age is, is getting up there The injuries are starting to pile up And they don't have a great way to fix the quarterback position anytime soon Other than what they already have in-house If... Matthew Stafford goes down with an injury, which at this point, we don't predict injuries, but it feels feels likely, doesn't it? I think. It feels like Matthew Stafford is probably going to miss some time every season until he retires. And he's kind of going to be on retirement watch until he actually retires. So right now, I mean, Stetson Bennett, there's... There are a lot of ways, a lot of paths for Stetson Bennett to get on, uh, get on the field for the Rams. And when you know when that happens, if and when that happens, I mean, you're getting the guy who just won back-to-back national championships. He knows how to win. You know, is is he the best? You know, most accurate passer? No, is he the most mobile? Uh, far from it. But he's just kind of one of those guys. And, you know, I think that the San Francisco found the same basic thing with Brock Purdy a little bit. Again, you know, it's that Jacoby Brissett effect. It's that solid, you know, unflappable presence and, you know, some some very, very strong leadership skills. So, to me, Stetson Bennett is is probably the guy that you want to consider in the later rounds. And to answer the first part of the question, I I personally would rather have Stetson Bennett than Hendon Hooker or Will Levis. I think that both of those are a little hot takey. I think the Will Levis one, yeah, I if you haven't shut off the podcast yet, you're you're you definitely contemplated it. You can be honest with me, I know. I get it. Uh the thing about it, the thing about Will Levis, again, Ryan Tannehill's in the way, and Malik Willis might be in the way as well. I mean, he's got to, he's going to have to beat out Malik Willis for this job, unless you know maybe they move on from Malik Willis. But until they do, they haven't yet. Until they do, I mean, that's who he's competing with. He's not competing with Ryan Tannehill. He's competing with Malik Willis. And I'm not convinced Malik that Will Levis is the better option for them. If they thought that he, here's the other piece of this. If, if they felt like he was the slam dunk, just, you know, locked, locked down, just, this is the future of our franchise. If they looked at him and said that, they would have drafted him at 11 overall or they would have traded back and drafted him later in the first round or they would have traded up from their pick in the second round into the late first round to draft him i mean like at this point we've we've all just kind of we've seen we've seen this way too much that fifth year option that, that first rounders get is just way too valuable it's way too important with a young quarterback you need that fifth year. Either, I mean, you assume that you need the fifth year because it's going to take you, you know, if this hits, if this works, if this guy hits for you, you're going to need that extra year to figure out the long-term contract because you're going to owe him a lot of money and you're going you're gonna to need some time to unlock it and you're going to need some time to uh, agree to terms with that player. So, you know, it's the the that fifth year option is is, I think, way more important, a much bigger indicator than a lot of people want to believe. And the fact that they didn't think enough of will Levis to take him in the first round to find a way to get into the first back into the first round or to take him with the original first round pick. The fact that they didn't do that, just it it tells me that they're not they're 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 not fully committed. They did this you know the exact same thing with Malik Willis, and if you know if you want to make that argument, I I fully agree with that. But I mean, look where we're at with Malik Willis, one year in, and we're feeling like that they're comp- just completely giving up on him. Why couldn't that be Will Levis as well? And if they have a down year, and Will Levis isn't, and they end up in, in you know, in in range to get a Caleb Williams or a Drake May, you don't think they're gonna do it? You think they're gonna just see what they've got with Will Levis? Because they sure didn't do that with Malik Willis, and we thought he was a better prospect than Will Levis. So, <laughs> I, I'm not sold at all on Will Levis. Hennon Hooker is a little different. Uh it's a little bit there's there there is a a little bit of a path for him. Um there's a path for Will Levis, but it's it's treacherous. It's rocky and unstable. Uh Hennon Hooker though in Detroit, you know, there's there there are plenty of scenarios where Jared Goff doesn't make it through the season. Now, they're talking about a long-term contract for Jared Goff, which I think would be pretty damning for Henn and Hooker. Um, and it, it, keep in mind, any of these guys who weren't drafted in the first round, they were really kind of drafted to be backups. So ultimately, we're not super interested in any of them. We want Young, we want Stroud, we want Richardson. And that's kind of it. The rest of these guys, I mean, a lot of things kind of have to fall in place for them. And then once it does, once they get there, they have to play well enough to hang on to it. You know, look uh, like look at Brock Purdy again, right back to that example. I mean, he had to win what eight straight games in in that offense scored 30 points in 6 of those 8 games. He gets to the NFC Championship Gets injured and goes out, and that's the only reason that. Well, I won't say I can't say that's the only reason they didn't make it to the Super Bowl. But I think that that game would have been a lot more competitive if Brock Purdy, if Brock Purdy had been healthy. And after all that, he still hasn't totally won over the consensus. Just because you know Trey Lance was a first round pick, Brock Purdy was not it just it shows you how important draft capital is for quarterbacks and we know this we know this for a fact we've seen this we've seen the fact that you know a rookie quarterback taken in the first round is going to get you know 2 to 3 years to prove themselves and you know whether they're able to to capitalize or not they're going to get plenty of opportunities where anybody drafted after the first round or even in the late first round, they're just not going to get nearly as much of an opportunity. So every last one of these guys, to me, they were drafted to be backups. These NFL front offices didn't look at them and see a future NFL starter for their franchise. They, they saw somebody who's not worth a first round pick, not worth a fifth year option, A guy who is going to be a backup and, you know, maybe like they'll, he'll, he'll get an opportunity to show what he can do, but it's going to be a very short audition. So yeah, none of those guys particularly interest me. Um, I think Stetson Bennett probably is the, the one that I think is the most, uh, the, has kind of the, the most outs, you know, the most ways to get to that starting job. So um, next question is from Kevin uh, at the boys underscore 22. One of my favorite uh, newer, I mean, he's been around for a while. He's been out here doing his thing at a high level. Um, but him and I just recent, fairly recently connected on Twitter. And uh, it's, it's, I mean, I've learned a lot and I've been thoroughly entertained ever since. So, Um, just makes me ashamed that I, that I wasn't paying more attention sooner. Um, but yeah, Kevin's another one that I really need to kind of talk to, but he, so he, he asked a question. Um, so he's current, he said currently in a startup in the sixth round, all these quarterbacks are still on the board. His question. So, I mean, this was again, two weeks ago. So, (laughs) Uh, I assume that they're out of the sixth round in that startup. Um, I I imagine he made a pick at some point, and uh, this is all moot. But we're going to go ahead and answer it anyways because it's still important stuff. So of these quarterbacks in Superflex, how do you rank them as your quarterback too? And it's Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, Derek Carr, Geno Smith. Um, and... F- First of all, uh, I would say that this is more like quarterback four, three or four for me. Um, Generally speaking, uh, the quarterback extreme strategy is going to typically dictate that I've got, you know, two high end starters um, after three rounds, essentially. So, you know, by the time we get to the fourth round, though, and I'm looking for a quarterback three, I mean, these, these are the probably generally going to be the guys in that range so Russell Wilson Jared Goff Derek Carr and Geno Smith and to me it's it really kind of comes down to Russell Wilson and Jared Goff we know how important it is for these quarterbacks to have job security it's not that any of them necessarily scores more than any other quarterback every single week Pat Mahomes doesn't even do it. It's not. It's not that Pat Mahomes is going out and scoring fifty points, and nobody else is doing that. Like it's, it actually happens most weeks that somebody outscores Pat Mahomes. Multiple quarterbacks outscore Pat Mahomes. Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, Derek Carr, Geno Smith. Every last one of those guys has scored, has outscored Pat Mahomes you know multiple weeks throughout the season i mean maybe not russell wilson that <laughs> he had just in a ridiculously bad season so so but again so it's not the scoring advantage that's not the that's not what we're looking for because that doesn't really exist there's a nice floor that you can get and that's the advantage with pat mahomes is that he gives you a weekly floor most quarterbacks don't there's there's not much of a floor necessarily. It's super super low for most quarterbacks. And it's it's so that's the advantage for with Pat Mahomes, but you know, the rest of these guys, it's it's yeah, there's a little bit more floor with Josh Allen than you know, than Tua. And there's a little bit more floor with Tua than with Jared Goff and Russell Wilson. But it's not a, enough it's not enough of a scoring discrepancy for us to really use that as a as a way to make our decisions necessarily. What's way more important for us, especially right now, you know, again, not really knowing who are the guys who are going to have some long-term stability, who are the guys who are going to have some job security. We don't know that part. And so the thing that... that we really kind of cling to is who does it seem like has some job security? Who's going to allow me to go the longest without approaching the quarterback position again? And for me, it's Russell Wilson and Jared Goff or the two guys. Now again, Jared Goff sounds, it sounds like Jared Goff is negotiating a contract extension that's what gets him into this conversation. If I had been able to record this two weeks ago when uh, when these questions were first answered, you know, I, I, w- I probably would not have had Jared Goff in the conversation with Russell Wilson uh, because it seemed like, you know, they brought in Hendon Hooker as kind of insurance and, you know, it's it's... Kind of time to sink or swim, so to speak, for Jared Goff. But the the if they're if they're legitimately going to extend his contract, then all of a sudden we're feeling pretty good about his job security. So, you know, I'll I'll take that at face value that that's what's going on in Detroit. And you know, he's he's got a a good often. He, He's got an okay offense around him. That offense has taken a lot of hits, though. Um, between losing DJ Chark, trading away TJ Hawkinson, and now you lose Jamison Williams for the first you know six games of the season to suspension, it, we're not too worried about that. This is still dynasty. Eventually, Jamison Williams comes back, and that offense is at full strength. But... They're, they really seem to be a little bit more focused on running the football. Uh, you know, everything is very close to the line of scrimmage. This is why I don't. I'm not a huge fan of Jameer Gibbs. We'll get to that later. But you know, the weapons that they do have outside of Jamison Williams and I guess kind of Marvin Jones, everything else is meant to be kind of short and intermediate. You know, you've got Amon Ra St. Brown working out of the slot. You've got Sam Laporta now. You've got, uh, you've got Gibbs. You know, this is all short passing. This is all you know. Get the ball in the hands of some guys in space and see what they can do. This isn't taking shots down the field, which you know it. It the the fact that that's our our offensive makeup here for the Detroit Lions means Jared Goff's ceiling is a little bit capped. So yeah, I like I'm I struggle with it. I always struggle with this. Anytime I'm talking about the Denver Broncos in any way, I start to I, I I start to wonder, like, am I is this me being a homer? Or is this me say is this me being, you know, realistic and pragmatic? I'm not I'm not totally sure. I would like to think that I can put my Homerism aside and make a sound decision based on, you know, what what we know to be true universally about these players rather than just who I root for on Sundays. But I, I think I'm going to go with Russell Wilson here for the long-term job security, number one. And number two, the fact that you know that there's there's a lot more work to be done down the field. He's also, I mean, he's going to run more than Jared Goff. We know that. He's going to get those quote unquote cheat code points, those Konami code points that that we all love so much. Uh, there's it, it, he hasn't been doing as much of that the last few years, but he's still going to do that more than Jared Goff. Everyone is. So, so yeah, Russell Wilson gives you a little bit more upside. He's got a little bit better weaponry overall, even though, uh, to me, Amon Ross St. Brown is the best wide receiver on either roster. Denver has a little bit deeper uh, pass-catching group. They're three to four deep at wide receiver. Don't forget about Tim Patrick. There's one of my sleepers this year. Tim Patrick, Trent Sherfield. Those are guys that get absolutely missed and uh i I really love those guys as some like very end of your draft pickups um if you're if you're gonna take another wide receiver, which don't take too many of them, but if you need another one, those two are are very good options for you um but you know you you add Marvin mims to. You know the Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick group, and then you're also now you're two, maybe even three deep at tight end between uh, Dulcich, Troutman, and uh, and you know possibly Albert O. And the running game is it? It's right now it's Samaje Perine. He's kind of the healthy guy, and he's not going to be a dynamic. You know type of playmaker Who's going to really cut Into uh, you know what Russell Wilson in the passing game do So He's he's going to be kind of a short yardage Bulldozer type of player But that's that's kind of all you're really going to get From P. Ryan so You know you're really pretty one dimensional And it's focused on the pass And then you know this long term Contract for Russell Wilson Kicks, it, kicks in this season A um, lot of guaranteed money a lot of cap hit, a lot of dead cap, um, if they were to release him. So you're really pretty committed to Russell Wilson. And so, you know, the the goal has been to build up the weapons around him from there. So, yeah, uh, I, I Russell Wilson, I think, is number one for me. Um, yes, I am a Broncos fan. Uh, that's. This isn't to say that I think Russell Wilson needs to be, you know, one of your top twelve quarterbacks in dynasty necessarily. All I'm saying is, first of all, there's a bounce back coming. Second of all, he's got more job security than Geno Smith, and then he's slightly better than Derek than Jared Goff, and he's significantly better than Derek Carr. <laughs> so. That's that's the real analysis here It's not it, it It's not meant to be a homer thing This just Just realistically Russell Wilson is the best player Out of this group of four uh, Jared Goff comes in at a close second though Especially if they get him a long term deal But if you're doing a startup right now I mean you're just kind of gambling That that happens um, And I think that that's fair to do Geno Smith Talent-wise, Geno Smith might even be at the top, especially when you consider the weapons that he has. Three deep at wide receiver, just like Denver. Well, four deep for Denver. Three deep for, for Seattle, uh, pretty comfortably. But all three of them are better than anybody on Denver. I don't know. I, I, maybe I won't go quite that far with Tyler Lockett versus Jerry, D- Jerry Judy. But that's close, right? The, the top wide receiver for Denver, Jerry Judy, against the third best wide receiver for Seattle. DK Metcalf and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigler are just uh, on, a, on a different planet than the guys in Denver. So better weaponry for Geno Smith. And we saw him just master that offense last year. My only issue with him is the lack of job security. This contract extension basically amounted to a one year deal. It's pretty team friendly, you know? It's it's basically another show me type of contract, even though he already he just showed you, you know. So that part that's that's my only issue with Geno Smith is just the the fact that they haven't committed to him long term. Derek Carr is just <laughs> Let's not get started on Derek Carr. How about that? He's not that good. Jameis Winston, I think, is better. Uh, and it, you know, having Jameis Winston on the bench means it can be a pretty short leash for Derek Carr. Um, but yeah, I won't. I won't beat that one to death. Uh, I talk about Derek Carr a lot, and it. I never have anything nice to say so we'll just skip over that and just say he's fourth on this list for me (laughs) so Russell Wilson Jared Goff Geno Smith Derek Carr there you go there's there's how I rank those guys uh hope you hope you guys uh are okay with that feel okay with that um but you know feel free to revise it for yourselves of course um but, you know, I'm just here to make suggestions. That's, that's all it is. And, and trash Derek Carr. I'm here. I'm <laughs> I've got a list of guys who I really like to attack. Derek Carr is kind of at the top of that list. Lamar Jackson's kind of up there. Jameer Gibbs is going to be there a little bit for me now. Will Levis is going to be there for me a little bit. I, but I've, I've got a huge list of guys. Uh, that's, that's what I'm really here to do is to, in front of an audience, I mean, not in front of an audience, but say in stereo here, uh, going out to an audience, that Derek Carr is trash, Lamar Jackson is inconsistent, Jameer Gibbs is in a bad landing spot, <laughs> Will Levis is, was drafted to be a backup. <laughs> that's, that's fun for me to be able to say that stuff. So that's, that's what we're going to do. All right. Next question. Uh, let's go with Chris. He said, uh, where are your tier breaks in round one of rookie superflex drafts? Love this, love this one. Uh, this might be another one of those that's, that was a little bit time sensitive. You may have already done all your rookie drafts at this point. Um, it's only been two weeks, but i mean how many leagues just jump right into the rookie draft most of them i'm i've done most of mine at this point uh so yeah we're it's it's probably too late for me to give you anything super useful so i'm going to try and rush through this as best i can but uh I, I it can still be useful if you haven't done a rookie draft or you know maybe you want to make some trades because It is much easier to trade for the players once they have turned from picks into players. There's just that there's just that intrinsic value to rookie picks, you know? Just just the the that feeling of of excitement of having a rookie pick, that feeling of power, especially when it's one oh one. You know it's gonna be Bijan Robinson but the fact that it's not yet and you know there's a there's a potential for you to just go rogue and take a quarterback instead especially in a super flex league like you could do that you could go nuts and and pass on Bijan Robinson and everybody's going to be talking about that for for the rest of the existence of that league that's fun. <laughs> you know Just, just the fact that the potential is there, even though you don't actually end up doing it. So draft picks are more fun. You make the pick, it turns into a player and then you're like, okay, so now like, what can I do with this guy? <laughs> I didn't actually want him. <laughs> so he's just kind of like the, that, the, you know, the, the, That like pudding or whatever at the salad bar, you're just like, man, that looks good. And then you get it and you're like, actually, I didn't want this. I'm like lactose intolerant. I didn't, this is not, this, this is not as, as cool as I had hoped having this. So, yeah, there's, there could be some trade value here for you to to exploit based on this. Um, And again, it's, it's, it all starts with, uh, are you comfortable with these tiers? We'll see. Bijan Robinson, 1.01, tier by himself. Uh, I don't I, I don't think that you can put the quarterbacks in a tier with him. i don't I just don't believe it. you know, as much as I want to, we know how valuable quarterbacks are and I think that there's an application. no, that actually that's the point. There is not an application. There's not really a reason to take a quarterback over B. John Robinson. He got the draft capital, he got an incredible landing spot. You know, it's there's just nothing really left for B. John Robinson to there's not really much of a way for him to lose value to a point where you would consider a quarterback, you know, rather than B. John Robinson. Not yet. We'll get there at some point, but the fact that it's gonna be several years before these quarterbacks catch up in value to Bijan Robinson, that just that puts him in a tier all by himself. If I was able to say with a straight face that if you have one on one and you need quarterback help, you can take take Bryce Young. Like that was the analysis I really wanted to I I was kind of using that before the draft. But that was because we didn't know for sure where where's B. John Robinson going to be drafted. There was a lot of talk of him going to Philadelphia. He was mocked to either Philadelphia, Baltimore, Detroit, or uh, New England in pretty much every mock draft I, I've ever seen. And I think if that had happened, I think he belongs in the conversation with those quarterbacks. But the fact that he went to you know a, a rock-solid uh why do I keep using that term um the the fact that he goes to such a good landing spot in Atlanta and he goes early he gets a draft capital like to me that just that just solidifies him as one point oh one and there isn't really a justification for taking a quarterback instead so since that's the case, we have to make him we have to put him in a tier by himself we can't consider anybody else at 1.01 other than Bijan. So he's in a tier by himself. I'll put the three quarterbacks in a tier together. I don't I still don't want to. I still don't love Anthony Richardson in terms of, you know, preparedness number 1. Is he ready to be an NFL starting quarterback? I'm not convinced of that. The passing is still an issue. Uh, you know, the the uh, pre-snap reads, the post-snap reads, the, uh, you know, the the looking off safeties and tracking corners and, you know, all the things that you've got to be able to do as an NFL quarterback. It's just not stuff that he really has very much experience with. But the thing is, they're going to go straight into an RPO type of offense. This actually has me considering moving Bijan Robinson ahead of Jonathan Taylor uh, in my rankings. Jonathan Taylor still is my running back one overall in Dynasty. I think Bijan John Robinson's probably going to get pushed ahead of him because I don't like what it does to Jonathan Taylor's workload to have Anthony Richardson taking the snaps and deciding who ends up with the football in their hands. <laughs> so... Uh, and, and not only that, but, you know, literally taking carries away from Jonathan Taylor, him taking off and running that, that should have been Jonathan Taylor. That should have been a check down to Jonathan Taylor. It should have been an audible to the run, uh, you know, and, and instead he just took the snap and took off with it. And there'll be some designed runs as well, which is also, Richardson vulturing Jonathan Taylor It also hurts Michael Pittman, by the way The fact that you've got a quarterback who's less likely to throw than Matt Ryan Less likely to just stand in the pocket and throw the football You know, it's it, it, it's not good for Michael Pittman um, And it's not good for Jonathan Taylor But it's still such a good situation From day one for Anthony Richardson, assuming he starts, assuming he starts from day one, which I think we have to plan on pick up Gardner Minshew and hope for the best. But I think that we're really just kind of assuming Anthony Richardson is going to start from day one. And the upside that he gives you, especially in year one, means there's an application, there's a time and a place where you draft Anthony Richardson over Bryce Young. There's a roster build where that makes sense, even though to me, Bryce Young, I've got Bryce Young ranked way ahead of Anthony Richardson, uh, in my dynasty rankings. I mean, maybe not way ahead, but, (laughs) uh, I'm going to, I'm going to look that up real quick just to kind of fact check myself. But, uh, Bryce Young is quarterback nine, Anthony Richardson is quarterback 12. They're in the same tier. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it, it's close ish. Uh, I think over time, Bryce Young r- rises, and Anthony Richardson probably kind of stays in that low end QB1 range. With somewhere along the line, he's going to give you a monster season QB1 overall type of thing. He probably gives you that at some point. But, you know, in the long term, Bryce Young is going to give you a much more solid floor. And just as much upside. So, and same with CJ Stroud. So, those guys are ranked ahead of Anthony Richardson. And I think that you still would rather have those guys as long term investments, um, just because they are going to be, you know, uh, they are going to have a a much higher floor for you for the long term. Um, And there's a lot more room for them to develop and rise. But, Anthony Richardson is the guy who helps you win a championship right away. Anthony Richardson is the guy you can put in your lineup in year one and you know feel like you're going to get a floor out of him. I don't think you're going to feel that way about Bryce Young, and I certainly don't feel that way about C.J. Stroud in year one. But I think Anthony Richardson gives you that. And the other the other application would be if you have two picks – between 102 and 104. You know, say you've got 102 and 104. Let's let's just say that hypothetically. And you know, to me Bryce Young and CJ Stroud they're back to back in my rankings, uh 13th and 14th overall, QB9 and QB10. They're just so similar. You know, they're the exact same guy <laughs> in in my opinion. They're both that good of passers. They, they're they both mobile enough. They're both pro-ready. So it kind of doesn't matter which of the two you get, right? If you've got those two picks and, you know, you already have one or two starting quarterbacks on roster, um, you know, maybe you've got some guys like Dak Prescott already on roster or, you know, Kyler Murray. But you trade it into those two picks, you know, you're gonna get basically the same thing at 104, whether it's Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. So 102 probably actually should be Anthony Richardson in that case. If you've got those two picks, you know, start with Anthony Richardson, get the, the upside, and then you're still gonna get that nice safe floor for the long term with your second pick. So you know, as much as I've got it ranked, young Stroud Richardson, there's just in, there are plenty of, of reasons to take Anthony Richardson over those two guys. So I think he belongs in that, in that tier, uh, for that reason. So now we're at 105. Jackson Smith, Najigba is my guy. Um, I know you hate that. (laughs) I know you think it should be Jameer Gibbs, what I will say is I'll, I'll, I think i am going to put Jameer Gibbs in this tier. Uh, but I would prefer Jackson Smith and Najigba, I would prefer, uh, Jordan Addison as well. I think those guys are in very good landing spots. They're very good situations. They got the draft capital they needed. I just, I, and above all else, like I said earlier, I don't think Jameer Gibbs is in a very good situation. You know, there there's way too much competition for target in the part of the field where he operates. He's gonna have Amon Ross St. Brown. He's gonna have Sam Laporta. Those guys are gonna be operating in his workspace. And that's kind of what we were what we've been looking for from Jameer Gibbs is a pass catching. He's certainly not going to be your power runner when you've got David Montgomery. They're going to take him off the field in order to get David Montgomery in there for, you know, goal line work, for instance. So they're, they're kind of a lot of dings in the armor for Jameer Gibbs. The draft capital is great. The landing spot just isn't that good. But I'll still put him there just because, I mean, running backs are hard to come by. That's That's kind of the big thing. Where else are we going to find some... You know that type of upside at running back from a such a young player. You know, so yeah, uh, I'll put him in that tier, but he's behind JSN and uh, Jordan Addison for me. I freaking love Jordan Addison's landing spot. We always, I, I always talk about. You know, draft capital is more important for wide receivers. Well, they all four got the draft capital. You know, they went they went one after the other, uh, between 20 and what, 23, 24. So these guys, they got the draft capital. They were all first rounders. So now you have to figure out, all right, so how do we decide between these guys? Well, I'm going to start with talent. Jackson Smith and Ajigba was by far the most talented wide receiver in the class. He got the draft capital too. So yeah, he he just kind of stays a wide receiver one for me. Jordan Addison, uh, I think I I feel like he was him and Z- Zay Flowers were right there for me in terms of talent. I I had a slight preference for Zay Flowers in terms of talent, but it was super super close. So that's not really a tiebreaker for us. All that's left is that landing spot, is that situation, and you've got Jordan Addison. Operating on the opposite side of Justin Jefferson, who's gonna draw the toughest coverage possible every single week. They're gonna bracket him, they're gonna double him, and Jordan Addison is just kind of working against, you know, just working one on one against man coverage and his ability ability to separate. And not only that, it's gonna be against, you know, the the second or third best corner on the on the opposing defense which a lot of times is just not a very good player at all. So, and Jordan Addison's ability to separate going up against the softest coverage that they can possibly muster. It's just, it, it, it it's just kind of a dream scenario for Jordan Addison. So he jumped way all the way up to one Oh six for me. Uh, Man, like he's he's almost he's interchangeable with JSN. That's why I've got him in that in that tier. Like, for instance, if you already have DK Metcalf, you've got 105, and you already have DK Metcalf. I mean, that's kind of a reason to take Jordan Addison instead. You could also take Jameer Gibbs. I'd be fine with that. I prefer those wide receivers, but you could take Gibbs. But that's the thing that there's there's a time and a place for all three of them. And that's why, to me, they belong in a tier together. Um, there is a a little bit of a drop off. Actually, it's a pretty big drop off after after one hundred and seven uh, and and Gibbs. Um, but you know, then you get to that just this massive, massive tier, and it really is going to kind of come down to your team's needs um, from there. So. Basically, 108 through 112 could be any one of these guys. It could be Dalton Kincaid. I think that, I mean, I almost want to put Dalton Kincaid ahead of the rest of these guys in a tier by himself. Um, I just, I, I can't quite get there. Quentin Johnston, I feel kind of the same way, actually. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I, I can't quite justify it. I think that... You know, it's it kind of comes down to to team needs. You know, you don't just you don't just take Quentin Johnston or Dalton Kincaid if you're already set at that position. So I can't quite do it, but I it's tempting. Uh, but yeah, Kincaid and Johnston are, are going to be at the top of the tier. Um, but guys that belong in this tier, uh, you know, obviously Zay Flowers, um, Jonathan Mingo. Uh those are those are the wide receivers. I think Michael Mayer and uh Sam Laporta both belong there as tight ends. And then the running backs. Uh Roshan Johnson is my favorite, but I think Devin Achain belongs there. Kendra Miller probably belongs in that conversation. I think Ty, Ty J. Spears belongs in the conversation. You know, every single one of those guys. You could even I I, I could easily, easily make the case for Deuce Vaughn. And I think you could make the case for Zach Charbonnet. I can't. <laughs> I'm not gonna try and do it. I don't I don't think that there's a great path for him. But you know if you do I there's absolutely no reason for you to take Roshan Johnson or Devin Achain over over Zach Charbonnet. You know, and go against your instincts on this. Go against your intuition. You know, so Zach Charbonnet belongs in that conversation as well. So it is, it's just this huge, huge tier of players. And I think every last one of those guys uh, is a justifiable pick at 108 through 112. So there you go. Um, actually, that tier takes us, I mean, half almost all the way through the second round. So um so yeah, I, I kind of went above and beyond uh on answering Chris's question. So um I don't know if I get some kind of extra credit for that or not, but uh certainly certainly believe I should. Next question, uh Brit asked with Pierce surviving the draft, is it time to reth- to rethink early round four running backs? And so uh, like I said, we, we, you know, we, we've been talking for quite a while now about what matters when it comes to running backs and it's, or when it comes to rookies, actually it's draft capital for quarterbacks. You want them to be a first rounder. You really want them to be top half of the first round, but you know as long as they go in the first round they're going to get a little bit of an opportunity that other that the rest of the quarterbacks won't get they're going to get a much longer audition wide receivers it's just it's really just draft capital you know you kind of look at talent from there but draft capital because the situation doesn't matter the the situation's going to change if it's a player, if it's a George Pickens, George Pickens is my uh, has always been my favorite example of a guy who was drafted into what seemed like a pretty bad situation with all of those mouths to feed ahead of him, and now I mean he's he could be on the verge of a wider of being their wide receiver one, and possibly be a wide receiver one for fantasy purposes. That's how quick that that situation changed. He kind of went from being, you know, looking like he was probably the 4th or 5th option in that offense to possibly being the first option, second option at worst. So, yeah, situations change. All we care about is draft capital. Um and then, you know, you use talent and whatever else is a little bit of a tiebreaker. Uh it, you know, and it, like team fit can certainly can play into it but just overall we don't care about the situation uh tight end is is really kind of the same thing like again that that situation can change and adjust to a good tight end you know it, it they'll if they don't have the opportunity now they can certainly certainly earn it in short order but running backs Running backs, all that matters is the landing spot. You know, we're not worried about draft capital with, uh, with running backs because of this. We see this all the time where these later round guys end up, you know, where these later round guys, uh, you know, end up in, in good situations and kind of take on a significant role. You know, that happens pretty frequently. So we don't worry too much about draft capital. I don't, I don't worry about draft capital. So, um, I'm not totally sure what the, uh, what the stigma is when it comes to round four running backs or beyond round four running backs. I think that people worry a little bit more about their, their size. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I've seen the, I've, I've heard a lot about Jameer Gibbs being 199 pounds where, uh, you know, the, the cutoff for fantasy viability is you've got to be 200 pounds and people won't just round up for, for Jameer Gibbs. They just say, nope, he's on the wrong side of the line. I, again, I don't like the landing spot for Jameer Gibbs. I, I do think it's a little bit silly <laughs> to just say, oh yeah, like historically, you know, if they're not 200 pounds, they're nothing. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, like there, there's things that you can look at. Draft capital really shouldn't be one of them. The big thing is where did they land? And Damian Pierce ended up in a great landing spot. You know, it 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 was a great a great opportunity for him without a whole lot of competition. They still haven't brought in any competition because they feel like they're just fine. They're pretty set at running back right now. So yeah, it, it, it really just kind of, you know, for like, if we just ignore the draft capital and just look at where these guys landed, Damian Pierce, just, he just landed in the best possible landing spot for him. Um, and that overrides the draft capital. And that's why I say Roshan Johnson, Tyje Spears, like these are guys, who ended up in really good situations and you know so like let's not ignore that let's let's keep that part in mind and you know not worry about the draft capital not worry about who was drafted first like that part doesn't matter all that matters is where did they land so uh yeah that's that's kind of my feeling that's also why i really like deuce vaughn super late pick but uh, you know, Dallas is a very good situation for a running back right now as they transition away from Zeke Elliott and they're kind of, I you know, it, like you can be sold on Tony Pollard and also acknowledge that there's a void to be filled and you know Deuce Vaughn although the the issue that people are going to have with Deuce Vaughn is definitely the size and I can't make the argument that he's only off by a pound <laughs> so he's he's a he's a tiny little sprite I'll give you that but it's still just such a good situation that where he's going to be involved um so he's super interesting to me so um let's see I hope I answered that question I don't remember I think so Um, so let's hear from Tommy, um, Tommy is another guest, uh, that I'm going to have to have on very soon. Um, well, I'm already planning on having on very soon, Tommy Blair and, um, him and I think a lot alike. He also, he thinks a lot about strategy, a lot about value, um, and what exactly does that mean? And it's super interesting stuff to me. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. But he did ask a question here. And I think I'm going to have to get his thoughts on this as well when he does come on the show. But he said, what is the end game with startup ADP and rankings shifting further into youth and perceived market value? And so this isn't something that I've necessarily observed. Um, I mean, I guess you see it a little bit. You see it a little bit. Like uh, you know, we're certainly prioritizing, you know, the, the Garrett Wilsons and Drake London's and Chris Alaves of the world over, you know, slightly older wide receivers who are still, you know, really pretty uh um pretty viable, um, pretty productive. So, you know, I I guess we see a little bit of it, but I have a feeling that what Tommy's talking about here is something um much deeper that I haven't that I haven't exactly experienced. And so I, I really want to just get his thoughts on this. Um as far as the end game for that uh I mean I kind of think that the end game it really is going to come down to, uh, I, like, I think that the end game is we restock the quarterback and running back positions. I think that's the the real answer to all of this. I think that we get to a point where, you know, we've got we've got more solid quarterback options. We've got more dynamic running back options, and there are enough of them that we can prioritize them again. And then you know, because the thing is, I, I I talk about this all the time at wide receiver. It's just so deep, you know. I, I mean, Peter Howard is going to make fun of me for. He's going to say that I'm saying Zach Pascal is just as good as Jamar Chase. Not what I'm saying at all. I forgot that Zach Pascal even exists. He's not anywhere near my. Superflex top 250 rankings, where Jamar Chase comes in as wide receiver, 10th overall, first round draft pick in Superflex startups. You know, there, of course, there's an advantage to Justin Jefferson, there's a, an advantage to Jamar Chase. You know, there's a little bit of an advantage to CeeDee Lamb and a little bit of an advantage to, you know, A.J. Brown and Amon Ross St. Brown and Jalen Waddell and, you know, T. Higgins and guys like that. Like, but at the end of the day, I mean, we're talking about a handful of points. We're talking about, you know, one or two points a week on average, which we talk about this all the time. If the average says that there's a difference of one or two points, then what actually happened throughout the course of the season is Jalen Waddle outscored Jamar Chase nearly half the time, right? <laughs> or, you know, at, at least in theory. So, like, uh, averages aren't, aren't really a great thing to go off of, but – so that position is so deep that it gets a little bit difficult to navigate like how do you differentiate these players if they're all going to score roughly the same if they're going to all they're all going to give you the same number of wide receiver one weeks like top 12 weeks and they're going to give you the same number of you know wide receiver uh, of top 5 weeks they're going to give you the same number of you know, wide receiver two type of weeks, like top 24, Like they're going to do the, they're, they're all just going to have very similar game logs, just kind of a different, different intervals throughout the season. Then how do we decide between them? I think what tends to happen is we just go young, you know, (laughs) and, and it's, it's a legitimate dynasty strategy to say, all right, I, you know, yeah, give me Garrett Wilson because, then I don't have to address a wide receiver position again for a while. I just I don't think that it should be as much of a priority because it's not really a problem to address the the wide receiver position. There are a lot of ways to do it, and there's just an influx of wide receivers every single year. It's only getting deeper. We're not really losing these guys. You know, we assume that DeAndre Hopkins is going to drop off a little bit. Finally, we assume that Mike Evans will probably drop off a little bit. But beyond that, I mean, we're kind of expecting all of these guys to do what they've been doing for the last several years. We we expect Stephon Diggs to still be a you know a, a low end wide receiver one for the season. You know, so it, it's it's not really a it's not really a hard thing to do to readdress the wide receiver position every season. If you don't have super young guys, if you don't have, you know, guys who broke out as rookies and are going to plateau in year two, you know, there's, first of all, there's not an actual advantage to that, believe it or not. Um, not much of an advantage anyways. Obviously, you you would love to just... You would love to have ended up in a situation where you've got Garrett Wilson, Drake London, and Chris Olave at wide receiver, and now you don't have to deal with it again for a long time. But if you don't, most people aren't in that situation. Um, certainly people who recognize that you shouldn't prioritize that aren't in that situation. And if you're not you're fine, (laughs) you know, you're still going to find wide receivers and they're still going to score similarly for you most weeks. And, you know, you're, you're going to make up any discrepancies with your running backs and quarterbacks. So I, I kind of think that that's what's happening is people are just trying to figure out how do we differentiate between all of these wide receivers. And kind of the easy thing to do is just prioritize youth. I think that's kind of what Tommy's talking about. And to me, that's the end game is when we've got enough quarterbacks and enough running backs that we can prioritize them, we're not going to worry about youth so much anymore. And we're not going to be afraid of a bad group of wide receivers. We're not going to be afraid of a bad, quote unquote, wide receiver room, you know, because we know that we can fix that pretty easily what we can't fix super easily is quarterback and kind of running back either. So I I, I kind of think that that's the answer. Uh it's it's I and I mean tight end is a pretty good example of this as well. I mean we're still just kind of clinging to Kyle Pitts and you know the we're clinging to the rookies because nobody else is doing anything other than Travis Kelsey and he's old so like, so we're just kind of like all right I don't know what to do at tight end I like let's just see what this rookie can do I guess I, it's as good a strategy as any so anyways I that's that's my theory but again not something that I've that I've experienced a whole lot myself so. Uh, yeah, we're gonna talk more about that with Tommy. We've got a lot of cool things to talk about with Tommy. That's gonna be an interesting episode. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and now that I'm getting this one out and uh, getting caught up, next up is Tommy Blair. So that'll be fun. Um, let's see, Sean. Sean asked, at what point do you abandon QBX in a startup? Uh, I typically don't. Um, yeah, I generally just don't. I mean, I and I I like I say it all the time, you know, you kind of go in on go all in on your best ideas, go all in on the things that you know, that that work the best for you, that that make you feel the most comfortable and confident. And to me that's quarterback extreme. So I don't I don't really deviate from it, but I think that for for you know, for people who don't feel as strongly about it as I do and who haven't had kind of the experiences in fantasy football that I've had with bad quarterback play. If, you know, if you're okay with not having a quarterback extreme strategy, you went in thinking, you know, planning on uh, a QBX strategy, a QBX approach, and then you got to it and found out that everybody's trying to go QBX, I've never seen that by the way. I don't think enough people actually believe in QBX. <laughs> I think that it's something that's that's you know probably fun to think about <laughs> but not actually do. That's my theory. But anyways, you know, if if you know if everybody's going quarterback extreme and you decide that you want to bail on it after, you know, you've got two maybe three quarterbacks um, and you're okay with that, you know. I think that that probably is the the scenario where you do it, where the rest of your league is prioritizing quarterbacks the way they should. Um, because first of all, you're not going to. I I hate this. I hate this term. I hate this word. Um, they say because they say it to is you know it's meant to belittle quarterback extreme when they say you're superficially inflating the value of quarterbacks that's not really what we're doing and superficial is just kind of it's it's the wrong word for it you know um it i it's it's not like this is something that we just kind of you know it took control over and Uh, just kind of created out of thin air that's not the case the value was already there we're just we're exploiting it but we're not we're not driving it and we're it's certainly not superficial we know that because it's I mean how else just tell me how you're going to fix your quarterback position if you don't already have quarterbacks you know, that, that tells you everything you need to know. It's not superficial. It's legitimately that's what the value is. That's what the value actually looks like in in Dynasty Superflex Leagues. But anyways, if that's what we're doing, you know, just for argument's sake, say that we're kind of superficially inflating the value, well, you can't do that if everybody else has quarterbacks. You know, you don't have necessarily a a value advantage of a, a surplus of value relative to everybody else if everybody's getting their quarterbacks you still have the utility that's the thing with quarterback extreme that's the big thing like again if this is this is why I take issue with the the whole superficial argument the you know superficially inflating value is because I'm not doing this for value. I don't care about the value. I know what the value is. I know that it's high. You know, and there's a very good reason for that. Is simple economics. Demand far outweighs supply. That's not that's not superficial. But again, I, I'm I'm I don't care about the value. I care about the ability to set a lineup that gives me the highest scoring upside every single week. And I talked about this before. I mean, you know, even on those weeks where you run into a team that just, that scores an ungodly number of points on you and beats you, but you're still the second highest scorer in the league, that matters. That helps. You know, when it's time to, for, you know, playoff tiebreakers. So, Win or lose, we're trying to score as many points as we can every single week. And, you know, by playing matchups, by streaming quarterback within your roster, you're able to unlock a little bit of a scoring advantage. Not a little bit. It can be a massive scoring advantage. By benching a player in a bad, a good quarterback in a bad matchup for a okay quarterback in a great matchup, you end up with a scoring advantage that, number one, gives you a better chance to win that week. And number two, gives you the opportunity to score as many points as possible and, you know, help yourself on the tiebreakers later. So, yeah, it's not about the value for me. It's it's more about the streaming. It's more about the the ability to make some roster or some lineup decisions throughout the year, throughout the season, you know, kind of based on matchups. So, uh, in and, and that part, that part is still kind of there. So it, that's why I say I just generally don't abandon QBX. But if that part doesn't really interest you, if you're kind of more of a set it and forget it type of player, which is fine it's, it, it doesn't, I don't like it, but you can, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of things I don't like that you can like, I don't. I, I, don't like seafood, you know, you probably do. That's okay. You can, you can, you can eat your, eat your, uh, your scallops and or scallions. What is it? Which one is it? The, the little fish, not the, uh, not the onions, but the the, the little mollusk things, um, yeah, you can eat your eat your you know slab of trout <laughs> and uh just put your two quarterbacks, one at quarterback and one at super flex every single week. Um and yeah, it's we'll we'll just kind of we'll just somehow find a way to coexist on this big spinning rock. Um it's fine. Yeah, like that's it's a valid strategy. Uh, it's just not one that I subscribe to. but if you're okay with that, you know, I think that as soon as you get to that point as soon as you get to the point where you've got, you know you've got two guys that you feel uh, that you feel like they're gonna give you an opportunity to win every single week. And then you know, I still think that you want a decent backup. It doesn't have to be a great one. You know, I think that back to that list of guys we were talking about earlier, Derek Carr can serve that purpose for you. You know, just to give you somebody during bye weeks, you know, in case of injuries, um, you know, just so you you don't get completely derailed by, uh, particularly by an injury. Um, you know, you don't want to lose your entire season because... Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson missed the last five games of the season and so you only had one quarterback. But when you get to that point where you've got, you know, those two solid starters that you intend to just kind of rubber stamp start and then you've, and then, you know, a little bit later in the draft you get a backup to those guys, I you can abandon it right there, I think. Basically, you know, when you feel like quarterback and super flex are covered. Whatever that looks like to you. Is that two guys for a lot of people that's two guys. Two elite players. Give me Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen and I'm done. You know, I still think you need a backup but yeah, I like that's you can you can do that. You know, if if that is what makes you feel like those two positions are set is just those two players, then you abandon it right there if you feel like the only way uh, that you're going to get those two positions completely covered is with five quarterbacks, which is, that's my belief. That's my approach. So, uh, you know, then you're going to stick with QBX until you get there. So I think that's, that's probably the answer there for Sean. Uh, You know, I think that, Yeah, Once once you feel good about the quarterback in super flex positions, then you know, you're you're free to stop (laughs) drafting quarterbacks at any point after that. Um, one last question from my guy Josh. Uh he's the one who um who requested this ask me anything. Session and uh, I really Appreciate that really appreciate all the great Questions as well but uh, Yeah I mean the, kind of the Impetus for the whole thing um, And I, I wish I hadn't gotten sick And had to postpone it so For so long because I was excited About this uh, Especially you know Josh saying Yeah you know it's it." I, I always like it when you have guests But man my favorite is just when you Go solo and just answer, you know, what's on everybody else's mind. That It's my favorite as well. So that was just kind of some, uh, it, it was very empowering. And it meant a lot to me. So thank you again, Josh. Um, but he also had a question. At what point and for what value do you trade your team's quarterback three for help elsewhere on your roster? Uh, assuming the long-term value of these quarterbacks is questionable. Is it better to get out? while wow, they carry current starter value, guys like Kenny Pickett, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, players like that. Um, I mean, I kind of think, and you know I don't like Kenny Pickett. I know that's why you mentioned him. I don't, I don't think Kenny Pickett is particularly good, but I think that he, he does have a little bit of long-term value. Uh, because I think that he's got a little bit of long-term job security That's my guess I don't. I, and I don't feel strongly about that Because again, I don't think he's that good And I kind of think that they're going to realize that at some point And I think they're going to look to replace him But I know that the Pittsburgh Steelers are a little bit stubborn when it comes to quarterbacks They like to commit long-term That's kind of the standard that's been set there. You know, Pittsburgh and Green Bay are the ones that it's just been so long since either of those franchises have really had to struggle at quarterback. You know, and so now they're just kind of, they're just like, all right, you know, Ben Roethlisberger retires, we draft Kenny Pickett, and now he just holds down the position for, you know, 12, 15 years. I don't think that's going to be the case, but they do. So I guess we've got to we've got to adjust his value accordingly uh, based on that. But you know, Carr Garoppolo; those are guys who those feel more short term. Carr got a little bit longer contract, probably could mean some job security. He still has to earn that, though. Like I said, Jameis Winston behind him makes that leash a little bit shorter and tighter so yeah yeah, I'm with Josh on that one and I'm with Josh on Jimmy Garoppolo you know pretty obviously I can't imagine that being the long-term answer for the Raiders uh but if those are your quarterback three type of guys I mean I think Man, this is one that I should have read beforehand instead of just trying to go stream of consciousness here. Um, but I'm gonna—that's what I'm gonna do uh, because to me, like typically, the guys that you want to trade away, it's the quarterback ones. You know, quarterback one, quarterback two, just because you're gonna be- get a bigger return, you're gonna get another. You know, you're gonna get a downgraded at quarterback and an upgrade somewhere else. So there's I don't I I don't know that there's a great reason to trade away quarterback threes. I think if you're rebuilding, uh, and it's some you know the the Garoppolo's, Cars, Tannehills of the world, um, even Aaron Rodgers at this point, even though I think he's a far superior player to those to those guys, the fact that he's on kind of on retirement watch. You know, I think for that reason, you can kind of, uh, you know, if you're in a rebuild, he doesn't make a whole lot of sense for your roster anymore. Right. So, like, I think that's kind of the point where you look to get rid of those guys. Um, It's just the problem is, I mean, you've, first of all, you've got to maintain your leverage. You've got to maintain the fact that these are still starting NFL quarterbacks who have value to someone, even if it's not necessarily to you. Um, You know, especially if, and, you know, this is something that Josh and I have talked a lot about. Um, He's, you know, I last offseason, non-point scoring season, we were talking a lot about the strategy of tanking guiding your roster to 1.01 for Bijan Robinson for that immense amount of value. Josh did that. It really has seemed to work out well for him. Um, but as a result, he's kind of thinking about doing it again because it sounds like now, you know, we had that, that court or that running back with just a ridiculous amount of value coming in with Bijan Robinson. Now it sounds like we're very likely getting the same thing at quarterback with Caleb Williams. Now, I mean, I think that overall 2023 is going to be a better draft, you know, quarterback class than 2024, but it sounds like a lot of people are pretty convinced that Caleb Williams can't miss and that he's going to walk in kind of with Trevor Lawrence type of hype and type of value. And you know if that ends up being the case, then the move to guide that roster all the way to the bottom and you know to to commit fully to a all out tank within the rules of your <laughs> in settings of your league you know it it becomes pretty valid, pretty interesting to try and to just guide it to the bottom and get Caleb williams and uh enjoy that that windfall. As a result, you know, so. So I think that's kind of what it would have to look like, like you've got to have just committed to a down season, um, a complete rebuild. You know, because otherwise, if you've got quarterbacks. Even if they are, you know, this range of guys, a bunch of Derek Carr's and Jimmy Garoppolo's. I mean, you can win a season with those guys. It's not like you have to have Pat Mahomes in order to win a dynasty championship in Superflex leagues. There are a lot of ways to do it. I mean, we had, you know, Dynasty Outhouse was on uh, a few months ago as well. And um, he was talking about he won a championship with just Jimmy Garoppolo or just Daniel Jones, something like that. One bad quarterback. He just had the one bad quarterback on his roster, and you know it didn't have didn't have any uh, a quarterback at Superflex, and he still won a championship. You know, I was like, don't tell people that, but <laughs> but it it's true. It can work. There are a lot of story. There are a lot of people with a lot of stories about winning a Superflex league with kind of bottom-of-the-barrel type of quarterbacks. And you never know which running backs are going to be, you know, this year's this year's studs, this year's league winners, you know, who are going to be, who are the breakout guys, who's a Ramondre Stevenson this year, you know? You, you, you never know. They might already be on your roster. Uh, wide receivers, again, there's just a lot of ways to, <laughs> to get some wide receiver scoring, so um you know you don't have to have Justin Jefferson to win a uh, fantasy championship either there's going to be probably a running back or two that you had to have but there isn't going to be a wide receiver that you had to have and there certainly isn't going to be a quarterback that you had to have so you if if you've got a collection of that type of of quarterbacks uh you know i i i, I, I don't think that you necessarily want to, and, and you know, if you haven't just totally given up on the season before it even starts and, um, you haven't committed to just tanking for the entire season, you know, I, I think you generally hang on to them because number one, you're not going to get full value. And number two, you, you never know. They could, you could absolutely win a championship with that group. So, uh, yeah, I, so to answer the question, to finally actually answer the question, uh, I yeah, I kind of think that it's in those cases like Josh where you've committed and you said, all right, I'm guiding this all the way to the bottom. I'm getting 1.01. I'm taking Caleb Williams. That's just all there is to it. That's what I'm going to do. That's That's when you trade away that group of guys. But if you're competing at at all, that's to me that's the last group of guys that you want to trade away because they've got value to you, and people are going to undervalue them when they're trying to trade for them. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I'm starting to wheeze again. I don't know if you could tell. Um, like I'm, I've been talking so much and so long that I've. Uh, I, like I'm having a hard time breathing again, so... Um, energy's just fine, though, which is good news. Uh, should be a, a good sign for the next episode of the Superflex Super Show. Uh, I think I am going to bring on a guest next time. I know I am going to bring on a guest. It's going to be Tommy Blair. Um, that'll, that'll be our next episode, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a very fun conversation but he's also going to be able to carry enough of the conversation that I'm not coughing and wheezing into the, the microphone, <laughs> uh, by the end of the, of the episode. So, um, with that said, uh, I'm going to go find some oxygen. So let's wrap it up for the week. And as we do that, ask you for a quick favor if you haven't already: subscribe to the podcast, rate and review the podcast if you if you have subscribed. Those ratings and reviews really help help me to reach more people, get in more people get more people involved in the conversations and really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you my super friends. Uh, you can also subscribe subscribe sorry to the Dynasty League Football Family of Podcast Mega Feed. You get access to the Super Show, to Trade Addicts, to Dynasty Crossroads, to Uh, Read and react And and all the great podcasts That are part of this mega feed uh, Part of this uh, This family of podcasts Uh, What else Um, Twitter I'm on Twitter Um, DM me Uh, Yeah (laughs) That's I'm, I'm trying to decide If I want to talk more About Twitter or not But I I don't think I do. I think that's plenty. Yeah, I'm there. I'm I'm still on Twitter. I'm still around. DM me. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James Zebrank Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music and above all else. Thank you for listening. Good to be back. And until next week, stay sexy. And super flexy. <laughs>